Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynette, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, July the 29th, 2020, and we are continuing our study of the doctor's opinion on page XXV. We're on the fifth paragraph. I personally know scores of cases, reading through four paragraphs, ending with the signature William D. Silkworth, MD, and commenting on all four paragraphs. Today's readers are the 12 sets, Jessica G, 12 Traditions, Esther F, and readers of the text, Wendy M, Katie G, and Judy F. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, July the 28th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 15059 and the 10 a.m. meeting 15060. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jessica G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. This is Jessica G., compulsive overeater in Central Florida. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Jessica G. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And Esther F. is going to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Esther. Thank you. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the doctor's opinion. We're on page XXZ, the fifth paragraph. I personally know of scores of cases. Reading through to the signature, William D. Silkworth, MD. Wendy M., could you please read for us? Yes, good morning. Thank you, Lynn. I'm Wendy M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group, they may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism, these men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely 
on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, MD. Um, let me start my timer. Uh, so I first, uh, there's so much to say here in the text, but I do first just want to thank um, everyone really for the opportunity to be a reader in July. It was, um, I felt God nudging me to um, send that text to Leah, and it's the first time that um, this is the first month I've ever been a reader, and it has been such a gift, and um, it helped me. Um, grow even more and learn more from the text. So I'm thankful for that um, bit of service. Uh, I definitely, the, I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. Um, I definitely entered the room trying all methods and they had all failed completely. I I remember more than anything that feeling, well, the, those thoughts in my head that I just want to get to um, feeling normal inside, being of a normal weight, but being able to just eat whatever I want whenever I want. Like I, I wanted to find the the trick or the how I could accomplish that somehow. And that I obviously could not, tried all methods, whether it be laxatives, um, you know, starving myself, um, going days without eating so then I can binge. Um, every diet on the planet, every self-help book was all there for sure. And, you know, this this book, this meeting is has been, you know, um, a revolution in and, and a huge change and growth just for, for me and in my life. It's the complete personality change and this remedy for thousands of such situations. There is a remedy. There is a solution out there for anyone. I was hopeless. I was desperate. I was in a complete state of desperation. And then what is so amazing and an absolute miracle is being able to rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Um, I lied about everything on the planet. I lied and said that I was sick, so I can't go to the party, but really I just sat at home and ate and was alone. Um, I lied about things at work. I lied about um, money. I lied, I wouldn't, I mean, constantly. And then to have that complete in finding the remedy, complete personality change, you can rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Um, so amazing. With that, I'm going to pass and thank you. And thank you, Wendy M. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Katie G. Boston. Judy. Teresa. Teresa P. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. Katie G. Judy. Teresa P. Who Lisa else would B. like to share? Lisa B. Arlene Anyone G. else? 
Arlen. Okay, let's go with this lineup. We have Katie G, Judy, Teresa P, Lisa B, and Harlan G. Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. Um, you know, I read this paragraph, I don't even know how many times I've read it, but in the past, when I've shared, I've always been like, you know, my dad is a doctor, and he doesn't have a lot of humility. And it's amazing that this doctor is so humble, and he's saying that there's an answer. And what was I doing? I was taking his inventory. <laughs> I was totally not focusing on me, which is what I'm a professional about, right? I'm selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and afraid. And when I was reading this morning, what I thought was so magnificent that the previous person mentioned was this astonishing line, you can rely absolutely on anything I say about myself when I'm recovered. And the rapid growth that is possible, this remedy, this, this solution, this treatment that will relieve my disease for these 24 hours contingent on the maintenance of what? My spiritual condition. So, I mean, I, I was somebody, you know, the um, page, um, the step three talks about we lived a double life. Oh, man, I, I don't even think it was that small. It was a triple life. It was a quadruple life. It was let me read your mind and be who I think you want me to be so that you can give me what I want, right? Like this problem that I have had my entire life, lack of power is my dilemma. Like it has, it has been not just the food, and that's why all the other methods failed for me because I kept addressing the food. I kept addressing anorexia. I kept addressing bulimia. I didn't address that spiritual sickness that is inside of me. But holy smokes, this respectable, this reputable doctor has seen in in this in this 12-step recovery program, well, it wasn't there yet. I know Harlan's going to tell us all about that. But what was starting this rapid growth inherent inside of me, you know, it talks about um, in the fear portion of step four, it talks about at once we commence to outgrow fear, which means fear is, is lack of growth. And I find that to be so true. This program for me, putting down the food in its entirety, practicing and demonstrating entire abstinence in all situations and at all times, and then having integrity and being someone who, if I say I'm going to be there, you can count on me. If I say I'm going to do something, you can count on me. That, my friends, is something that is so beyond anything I could ever imagine. And yeah, you know what? Some of it started be because I was able to commit to things. I was able to commit to having a certain food and not deviate, right, I, I, because of the grace of God. And then I got more and more access to God, how can I grow today? Show me how to grow. Show me how to be someone reliable. Am I perfect? I'll just wrap up with this, Lynn. No. But when I, when I do make mistakes, I promptly admit it. I set it right with God's help, and I continue to press on. So I'm just so grateful to continue to grow and learn and trudge together with all of you. Shoulder to shoulder, thanks. Thank you, Katie G. And Judy, it's your turn, followed by Teresa P. And Judy, could we have the initial of your last name, please? Yes, absolutely. Judy F., F as in fun. Um, and good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. Yeah, this, um, I'm just, uh, I'm so grateful, so grateful uh, for the big book. Uh, today is my 29th 
anniversary of uh, abstinence. Um, and my Ebby was actually a therapist that encouraged me to go to this treatment center that was based on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, gosh, I'm so glad I got on a plane 29 years ago and, uh, and learned about, not only learned, just surrendered to the fact that I have a disease, that I need to be entirely abstinent, and I have this mental obsession, so I need a spiritual solution, which is the steps. And um, I could relate to, I, uh, I know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. I tried so many things. Um, I even tried other treatment centers, but they weren't based on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on a spiritual solution. And God needs to be everything in my life every day. And then... I can be trusted. I can, you can rely on anything I say about myself, not about others. I used to say a lot about others and think I knew what others needed. Um, I still don't know that. But about myself, because of the thorough step four I took and the continual step 10 and 11 and giving it to others, you know, going through this, continually that I, God is showing me where, you know, my dishonesty, daily I'm looking at where am I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and afraid because life comes up, I get disturbed and that's what I was taught through working the inventory steps to look at where I'm selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and afraid and I'm Bottom line, I'm afraid because I'm in self-reliance and I'm not relying on God. So Dr. Silkworth got it. And it's, it's kind of amazing that he got it not being an addict himself, not being an alcoholic himself. And I'm so grateful that no matter, you know, my compulsive overeating is arrested. Um, I'm recovered from that because of this book, because of the directions in this book, because this book leads me to a higher power. And that's my time, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy S. And Teresa P., it's your turn, followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. Uh, I'm Teresa P., a recovered compulsive overeater and grateful. And uh, I just love the doctor's opinion because it tells me the truth about my disease. And I didn't know the truth about my disease. I was always confused and and uh, scared and wondering what's wrong with me. And I would look at other people going, well, they, they know, they, they seem to know what they're doing and what's wrong with me. And, you know, and I tried those ways. I was a little kid because I, I had this disease right from the beginning and tried so many Diets, you know, okay, you just control if you eat less. And, you know, just, okay, eat less. So I tried eating less. I'm, I'm talking about eight, nine years old, you know, trying to diet. And, boy, that didn't work. And, and I tried the, the exercise, you know. Oh, just well, exercise a lot. Now, well, I couldn't keep that up either. I could do some, but not forever. And, and you know, it just doesn't matter what. But, you know, for... 45 years, I tried and I tried and I tried and failed, failed, 
utterly and just and you know and to hear that they're talking about the people for other way who other ways fail they go that's me that's me nothing I do works and praying to God on my knees and begging that didn't work either and now there's a remedy and you know and I just get to do the instructions in the big book it's simple I don't have to figure anything out all I have to do is uh, read it and hear it on a daily basis because my brain's a great forgetter. But uh, and I get to be that person to that can be relied on because I am more aware. I didn't realize how much I lied. You know, there's that selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, and fear. I mean, it was I was you know consumed with that and trying so hard to be good, but. I didn't know how to be good. I'm not even in reality. How can I be good if I can't even see what the truth is? And what I get to do is just do this one, you know, step at a time, one day at a time, and grateful that there's the 12 steps that are in order for a reason, and there's that daily 10, 11, and 12, which keep me in reality, keep me honest. Keep me looking at my part because I'm such a great uh, judger of all these other people who are doing it wrong. And what I need to do is look at what I am doing and not doing. And, you know, where where is my um, selfishness? And, and it's there so much. And I get to remember, oh, gee, I'm selfish. How could I be of service to others? And dishonest, I lie about, you know, especially, you know, well, I'm making my part look good and their part look bad and self-seeking and as I always want to be comfortable and frightened of fear. Time, please. Everywhere. And thank you for letting me share and I'm so grateful that, you know, I get to be here and share with you all. Have a great day. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Teresa B. And Lisa with an E-B. It's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Please go ahead, Lisa. Well, thank you, Lynn. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm here in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you, everyone. I I love this reading. I like the word um, in the reading where he says um, extreme medical importance. There's such a message of hope, optimism, um, encouragement. I don't even know what are the words, just like tremendous value. And he's saying that this could even go in the medical journals. It's like he's wanting to scream at the top of his lungs, you know, through his words. And this letter was also written for his peers, you know, the fellow doctors around, but it's also for people like me. But this is, this is of such urgency to, to know that there is hope here. There is hope. And, you know, my family, my loved ones, my mother, she wanted to help me. She really did. She wanted to help me. She didn't know how to reach me, though, because she wasn't an addict and she didn't have a solution. And my husband, you know, he would say things in a baffled way. Why? Why does this bag disappear in one sitting when if I have it, if it were just me here with this bag, you know, it would be here for a month. He couldn't understand it. And he loved me and he wanted to understand. And, you know, there is something about an electric experience, spiritual experience about being on the phone, which is how it worked for me with a recovered compulsive overeater and hearing, hearing what they're saying. It it was like a life stopping moment, you know, earth stood still when I started to hear the outreach calls from other recovered compulsive overeaters share with me. And, you know, everything they said to me 
was the truth. It was about their experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, this disease is grounded in the lie that it's too hard. Why bother? Why try? It's also grounded in confusion, fogginess, haze. You know, that's why abstinence is so important and because I get clear and understanding what abstinence really means so many times when I speak with other struggling sick and suffering fellows on the line there is such confusion and almost an argument going on well what is it really going to mean and what if I accidentally ingest something and do I really need to do that it's just crazy making you know and that's the disease in me that wants to stay confused it's it's really a remedy that works, and I'm so grateful for this. And, you know, everything that my sponsor shared with me um, has been the truth. But many times it's her experience, strength, and hope. I've, I've had to find my own truth inside of me. But she's laid a roadmap through ex- sharing with me what this book meant to her. You know, but I can't put her on a pedestal. I can't put other recovered compulsive behaviors on pedestals. But in the beginning, I really need to rely on what these fellows are sharing with me and then be willing to do what they did so I can have the same results, but then eventually tap into that power within me, you know, and that's the key. We've got to pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Harlan G., it's your turn. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. It says here in the doctor's opinion that I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. And I bet if I looked around, if we were all in the same room instead of virtual, I bet there isn't a person here that is a real compulsive overeater who tried Overeaters Anonymous first. First we try gyms and pay and way and shots and this and that. OA is, was, and probably always will be because of the nature of addiction, the last house on the block. The other thing I want to touch on before I get to what I really want to talk about here is you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. What's more important to me, oddly enough, is that I can rely on anything I say about myself because I lied when the truth would have served me better. I never knew what was going to come out of my mouth, but I knew that it wasn't going to be true. Now, let's take a look at something here because we always say that when we walk into a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, we are walking in here on the shoulders of giants. The big book was published on April the 10th, 1939. And in the first 10 printings of the book, Dr. Silkworth's opinion, now remember, this is an opinion because this is unproven scientific opinion. He couldn't prove any of this, and he would not allow Bill Wilson to put his name in the book. So it said blank, blank, MD. Now let's go to New York while all this is going on. And in the first 10 printings of the book, <clears throat> Dr. Silk, excuse me, Dr. Silkworth's name does not appear. 1944, five years after Harry Tebow, the psychiatrist, meets Bill Wilson, he starts publishing a series of papers on alcoholism. Harry Tebow also worked with Marty Mann, 
and Marty Mann wrote the chapter in the back of the book, Women Suffer Too. But the bottom line is, is that Marty Mann's, the work he did with Marty Mann caused him to start writing uh, a series of articles. He meets Bill Wilson. He becomes Bill Wilson's psychiatrist as well. And in 1949, due to the work of Harry Tebow, the American Medical Association, American Psychiatric Association, <clears throat> excuse me, they start to accept alcoholism as an illness. And in 1950, for the 10th printing, Silkworth says to Bill Wilson, you can put my name in the book now. And in 1950, in the 10th printing, you have Silkworth's name. Silkworth died in 1951. But he remains to this day our medical benefactor. And at Yale University, now they moved it to Rutgers in New Jersey, at Yale University for years, they would scientifically prove that 100% accuracy, Dr. Silkworth's opinion is sound, scientific, and provable of his allergy of the body and his I'm twist of mind. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you. So for those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXV, the fifth paragraph. I personally know scores of cases, reading through four paragraphs, ending with the signature William D. Silkworth. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Amy B. Linda D. Ginger C. Okay, I only heard out of those names Linda D and Ginger C. Who did I miss, please? Barbara E. Diana H. You're back, L. Amy B. Thank you. I have a lineup. Okay, I think. Let's see. I have Linda D, Ginger C, Barbara E, Diana. And then I think it was a Loretta P. I'm not sure. So, Linda D., can you start us off, please, followed by Ginger C. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I, um, I'm stunned by what was just said about Dr. Tebow because years and years ago in OA, I, I'm recovered and so thrilled and amazed to be. Um, and I've been in OA uh, since 82, so that's a while. Um, years and years ago, um, before I was fully recovered, when I was new, I was somehow guided to read uh, Dr. Tebow's um, material. And uh, I'm stunned by what was just said because now the scientific part of it has been proven uh, unbeknownst to me, at, at Yale and now it's at Rutgers, um, I knew it was true. Um, wow. 
And if I can remember correctly what I read, it was the gist of it to me at that time anyway was that um, I couldn't just um, give lip service to the AA program, to the 12 steps. I had to um, really surrender, not just lip service. And uh, at, even at that time, it wasn't hard for me because I was raised on the big book in OA before OA really collapsed in right where I am in Meriden, Connecticut, and in the immediate area. It, it just willowed, wintered away, whatever the expression is. It, it dissolved over the years. And uh, then I went to AA and whatever OA I could gather, I went to AA because it was the only safe harbor. Wow, I do stand on the shoulders of giants, and I knew that before today, but I'm so grateful because, of course, I was one of those people, I was, in 1982, I was a wreck, there was nothing left, and I was scared to death, and I did whatever I was told to the best of my ability, and it's many years later, and I'm recovered, like, six and a half years Oh my goodness, I'm so grateful. This pro this program has taught me what the truth is. I didn't know. Underneath all the fear was all this disgusting self-hatred and not feeling good enough to even be on the earth. And that was like, I didn't learn that for a long time. Under the selfishness and the fear and all of that was that. And today I love who I am and I'm learning how to do that from a higher power that I didn't even know existed. God had to really show up in my life because I couldn't find God, and I tried intellectually. Forget it. I couldn't do it. I am so grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Ginger C., it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Please go ahead, Ginger. Press star one to unmute, Ginger. Hi, Lynn. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much for your service. It's so great to hear your voice this morning and to be on a vision meeting. I am Ginger C., a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm from Colorado, presently in Nebraska, on my way home to Chicago. So, um, you know, as Harlan was sharing, I'm just sitting outside this hotel, and I apologize for background noise. We are near highway, but I just got to watch the sunrise, this beautiful orange, and now it's bright. And I'm like, wow, what a miracle. Thank you, God, again, doing for me what I absolutely do not do, could not, would not, will not, and um, to be alive and awake and alert and beholding the sunset to just being mindful and watching it rise, like I would have woken up in the old days in the food and it, I would have been in the car and to the drive through at Dunkin' Donuts and getting my box of donuts and then binging my brains out, not even tasting them. Um, and this incomprehensible demoralization over and over, you know, in the pain, wanting to stop and I can't. And to no longer see food as a solution, thank you, God, for the epics, the annals, and thank you, God, for a vision for you. 
this clear cut message because I honestly thought I was going to die in the food. I had a lot of years sitting in Alcoholics Anonymous and I was like, God, why can't you stop eating? You could stop drinking. Why can't you put the fork down? And I just didn't think it was possible because all I knew in OA was this relapse over and over and over. But, you know, I love what we read. And um, at the beginning, it says uh, methods that failed completely. Okay, my method that failed completely is that I sat in OA for 20 years wanting my cake and eat it too. I did not want to give up the food. I was not done. And a lot of people, they come into OA, they come on division, they're ready to hit this book and get going. But are they really done? Are you beaten into a state of reasonableness? I finally saw death's door because of the food. I felt like I was drinking a Smirnoff bottle of vodka, and it was little lemon heads, these little yellow balls of candy that were in my nightstand drawer. But thank God again for every beautiful bite, because until you're done, you're not. And you will return. If it's an option, it's going to be the only option. You are maladjusted. As an addict, I'm spiritually sick. You know, I'm restless. I'm irritable and discontent and without some effect. I can't stand life on life's terms, but then we find this power. We see what God can do for us. But again, it takes what it takes. And I'm just so grateful that I finally saw entire abstinence through a vision for you, this clear cut message, put down the food. And then it's amazing. I started feeling better. I started getting clear. I wasn't craving these things. Freedom. How free do you want to be? And I hope today's pain is enough to get you moving in that direction because I'd hate for you to miss these sunrises. God's got great plans. But I got to put the food down first for it to begin. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Diana. Barbara, please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Oh, I usually mute myself. Well, when I first came into this program and read the doctor's opinion, I was so skeptical that I actually had to look him up on Wikipedia to see that he was really a human being that existed. I doubted everything, but I doubt nothing now. I know that no one can make me feel inferior without my consent. And I gave my consent over and over again. Each day, I continue to work the program now that it's been 23 years. I strengthen my spirit. I used to keep food, eat food to keep out the darkness, but it also kept out the light. And I'd forget the pain of going back to the food and the obsession of the mind and the remorse and the firm resolution, and missing the warnings of my doctors, certainly the 12 sizes in my closet, um, and the uh, washcloth wrapped around my thighs should have been dire warnings, but I couldn't stop from starting. And I found that the days of abstinence and the days of binging are closer and closer together. I always went back to my drug of choice, but by turning to God, I, of my no understanding and the fellowship, it's by some miracle I have found my true north. I have to 
admit that surrender to me has meant the ability to run my home, to face my responsibilities as they should be faced, to take life as it comes now, to ask God to guide me to work my problems out. Now I live one day at a time, letting the problems of the future and our future is certainly uncertain. Stay in the future and just trust in God. I always thank God for bringing me to OA, but now I thank OA for bringing me to God. I'm amazed at how many of my problems, of which had nothing to do with my compulsive overeating, have become manageable or simply disappeared since I quit binging and stuffing my face. It helps me a great deal to become convinced that my compulsive overeating was just like alcohol, a disease. And the serenity prayer for me is really quite simple today. There's no decision to be made. I can't change anything about you or the world. I can only change me and how I react and change. Now, we all Hi, know the one. Thank you. All right. We all know the cornerstone of this program is willingness, and I am willing to accept a power greater than me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Diana, it's your turn, followed by Loretta L., I believe, or Loretta P., not sure. And Diana, can we have the initial of your last name, please? Yes, good morning. It's Diana H., Diana H. in Texas, compulsive eater. Um, good morning, everybody. Yeah, I was, I was just looking at this. I personally know scores of cases, and I was like, well, a score is 20, so if there's scores, there had to be at least two of them. So we're talking at least 40 people or 40 cases, maybe 60, maybe 80, and where other methods had failed. And, um, you know, it's not easy being a doctor especially these days, but even back then, it's not easy to diagnose patients and it's even harder to treat patients. And the doctor wants, you know, to be successful. They want their patients to get well. And here he's had all these patients who have failed, but but he just saw over 100 and they appear to be recovered. So um, he was certainly surprised and curious about that and, and believed there was something to this. And I know... Um, when I first started following a way to measure food plan, I took it to my endocrinologist and I showed it to her. I was like, what do you think about this? Is this a good way to eat? And she looked over and she said, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to eat. You know, she supported me in that. She's like, I wish all my patients would eat like this. And, and doctors these days, they, they still are not really sure uh, what to do with people who are overweight. Um, they could send them to a dietitian or to a nutritionist and, and then they could be given instructions, but it's it's more than just the food, you know. And I've never, you know. And there's also so there's also court ordered things like court ordered going to AA or going to anger management classes or things like this. I've never heard of a somebody who got in trouble or somebody who had like a car accident because they were eating while they were driving. Have the judge say, okay, you need to go to OA. 
Um, I actually actually did that at one point. I had a car accident because not because I was eating, but because I was rushing to get my fix while uh, the kids were at soccer practice and had a car accident and came back and it was it was minor. Um, I could still drive the car. I wasn't hurt or anything, but there was some damage done to the car. And I remember how embarrassing it was when the kids, you know, I was the soccer mom and there was my son and a couple other boys getting in the car and they noticed <laughs> what happened to the car, mom, you know? So anyway, um, I'm just grateful that, that I don't have to rush around trying to get my fix anymore. I'm grateful to be recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. And thank you, Diana H. And I apologize. I'm not sure of the last name. Was it in the Loretta P? Okay, I guess not. So uh, just a reminder then to everybody where we are this morning. We are continuing our study of the doctor's opinion on page XXV, starting with the fifth paragraph down. I personally know scores of cases, reading through four paragraphs, ending with his signature, William B. Silkworth, MD, and commenting on all four paragraphs. So the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please do say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Laura M. Lou B. Okay. This is, I only heard Laura M. and Lou B. Who else was there, please? Columbia. I'm sorry, I heard three people at once again. Amy. Okay, Amy. I heard Amy. There was somebody else. Crystal P. Okay, Crystal P. And one more, please. Philomena M. Perfect. Okay, let's see how we do. Laura M., please, followed by Lou B. Please go ahead, Laura. Good morning. This is Laura M. in Springfield, Missouri, compulsive overeater, and thank you so much for your service. You know, when I looked at this reading, I found myself uh, kind of bookmarked at the beginning and at the end, and this is what came to me. Um, I personally know. What do I personally know? I personally know that the 12 steps have taught me more about myself in the last seven years than I had ever imagined was true. I personally know that with guidance, and the fellowship of OA and the big book, I've maintained over a 60-pound weight loss for two years. The first time in my life I've maintained a body weight for more than two months. I know this is a revolutionary change in my way of living and thinking. 
and I, I read these words this morning, or, you know, this, these paragraphs, and I am so thankful and grateful that these men and women had the wisdom and the courage to put together this physical information and mental information into this remedy that has worked for hundreds of thousands, including myself. I am very grateful. So happy to be with you all this morning. And I pass. Thank you, Laura M. Lou B., it's your turn, followed by Amy G. Please go ahead, Lou. Good morning, everyone. This is Lou B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living in Texas. And um, this morning, the words that jumped out to me were extraordinary possibilities. Wow, that is amazing. And, um, you know, as either as an addict or as a human being, one or the other, uh, my mind generally goes to what if, what if this happens? What if this possibility, you know, comes true? What if my children do this? What if I, whatever, you know? And um, just those simple words, extraordinary possibilities, give me such hope about my own life, about our planet, about my family, everything, extraordinary possibilities. And I think one of the greatest gifts of recovery for me is that my mind now considers those possibilities and considers that, wow, you know what? This could turn out just fine. Or his life could be just fine. Or my life could be just great, you know? Um, it's limitless. And I, I know that that is only because of what my higher power is doing in my life for me today, things that I can't do for myself. So, you know, this day, I, um, yeah, I'm choosing to live this day only and enjoy every minute. And that comes from the Serenity Prayer. And, and, and that's how I feel best, you know, when I live right here in this moment and, uh, not in the past, not in the future, but right here with you guys. And, and so when I think about extraordinary possibilities, that's, that's what comes to mind this morning. Thanks a lot for letting me share. And everybody have a great day. Thank you, Luby. Amy B., it's your turn, followed by Crystal P. Please go ahead, Amy. Good morning. This is Amy B. in New York. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lynn, for your service. Thank you to all of the readers. Thank you to everyone who shared and everyone who dialed in to bring our collective experience to all of us. Um, I know a lot of people have commented on you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. For me, a lot of that was when I first came in relying absolutely on the fact that these, the people that I heard in the rooms of OA told stories that I was previously ashamed to not just share, but admit to myself and to hear them shared so freely with the purpose of helping. It was it was the fact that I knew I could rely on them because of the things that they said were things that I had kept so privately, shamefully hidden for so long. And I knew I could rely on them because it was my secret internal shame that was being aired and accepted, maybe even a little forgiven and understood and that was the gateway that really allowed me to slowly 
over time, but eventually through keeping coming back and keeping listening, learning to rely not only on what they said about the, the problem, but what they said about the solution and how I could rely on that and how, how I could rely on that experience and how I could rely on the message of this book. And I've come very much to rely on this call in the morning and all of you and this collective and, of course, the big book and God. Thank you so much for allowing me to share this morning. With that, I pass. Thank you, Amy B. And Crystal P., it's your turn. And if we have time, we'll get Philomena M. in as well. Please go ahead, Crystal. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., uh, compulsive overeater from Toronto. As I was reading Dr. Silkworth's opinion, it reminded me of my own doctor's opinion. Um, I remember sitting in her office. I'd been to the ER a number of times because of how my weight was affecting my health. And she pulled out the BMI chart, that awful thing. And she, you know, I'm five feet tall. I was 250 pounds. And she showed me that I was no longer on the chart. And she said to me, if you lose 100 pounds, you will then move into the obese category. Um, And that if I don't do something... Um, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble and I'm not going to live very long. Um, and that was very scary for me to hear at the age of, you know, early 30s. Um, and, and that really shocked me. And I was like, okay, you know, fine, I'll, I'll get started. I'll start the diet. I'll start the exercise. And my doctor said to me, don't bother. Nobody has ever lost over 100 pounds and kept it off successfully over the long term. You need to do the bariatric surgery. And I just knew in the depth of my being that that would not work. I never, I tried everything else, but I'd never tried that surgery. But I just knew that nothing was going to make me stop eating what I wanted to eat when I wanted to eat it. If it meant I got sick, if it meant it affected me physically in other ways, it didn't matter. I would just eat what I wanted. I remember a few months later, um, you know, actually making a decision and saying to myself, I don't care if I die, I will eat what I want to eat. I will pretend for other people that I'm making changes, but I'm going to eat what I want. And I remember I was praying at the time uh, when I made that decision um, and saying to God, like, that, that's all I've got, you know, and I don't know how to explain it. There's no other, there's no human power that did this, but God removed that decision from me. For, for a minute, I was, so, I was so sure that was what I was going to do, and then in a minute, it was just gone. And I, I didn't even know what the solution was, but what I knew was that I decided I wasn't going to die. And I was able to say to God, okay, I have no idea what the solution is, but I, I'm willing if you're going to help me. And when I, and it was just a couple of uh, weeks later where uh, a friend of mine told me about OA and I went to my first meeting. And that's what I realized is that I'm, I'm beyond human help. You know, the doctor showed me that I was hopeless, but had no solution to offer me. And in one minute, God removed this deep decision to kill myself through food and was able to give me a real solution. And I'm so grateful um, that my doctor was hopeless and that I was hopeless so that God could come in and bring real hope. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Crystal P. And that will be our last share of this morning. And Philomena M., I'm sorry that we don't have time for you, but perhaps you can stay for the second meeting. Thank you to everyone who shared. And thank you to our wonderful Wednesday workforce for their service in July. Jessica G., Esther F., Wendy M, Katie G, Judy F, Eileen M, and Russ M. The share ID for today 
Wednesday, July the 29th is 15068. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hey, Lynn. Katie G. Recovered in Boston. A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.